Welcome to the BizTimes MKE podcast, providing news and insights to the Milwaukee business community. Let's listen in as our podcast partner, Beth Ridley with The Brimful Life, interviews leaders from within the business community. Welcome to The Brimful Life podcast, where we make business personal by getting to know inspiring business leaders that you should know. We chat with them about their leadership journeys, lessons learned along the way, and their leadership insights. I'm your host, Beth Ridley, and today I'm speaking with Peggy Williams-Smith, President and CEO of Visit Milwaukee, whose mission is to create economic growth and improve quality of life for our communities by branding, marketing, and selling Milwaukee as a must-experience destination. I knew that there were people who would not be on board with the culture change. I did. But I didn't realize that I would have to make so many changes based on, obviously, the fact that our funding was being cut because there were no people coming to stay in our city. I am excited to chat with Peggy really all about leading and driving change. Leading through change during these turbulent times, people have a lot of emotions. (laughs) Yes, they do. You're like you're <laughs> like an emotion sponge. Right, right. <laughs> so we yes. want to talk about how you do that without driving yourself crazy, too. Anyways, thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Let us dive in. So let let me. So let's back up, and maybe you can help paint the picture. You stepped into your new role, um, really at the end of 2019. Yes, and you came in with like a big vision, a big plan. You wanted to take Visit Milwaukee to the next level. So you were working on that um, prior to things going haywire. I so was. tell me just a little bit about what was your vision stepping into the role? What did you see for the organization and, and what changes were you excited to dig in on? Sure. Well, I started in November of 2019. Having been in hospitality in downtown Milwaukee for the last 22 years, I knew the opportunity that was ahead of Milwaukee for 2020 and how Visit Milwaukee needed to capitalize on this moment in the sun. And being part of everything that I had seen over the last 22 years, I knew that Visit Milwaukee had lost some of its luster in terms of how it interacted with our partners here in the city, um, more so, and how we positioned ourselves in the city, which would then lead to how we positioned ourselves to the rest of the world. And I think that that was where I saw the biggest opportunity within Visit when I was going through the interview process. Um, I knew pretty quickly that um, there were some things that needed to change pretty immediately with the culture that was happening within Visit. It was a pretty fractured culture. It was very siloed, and there were people who, unfortunately, I think were just fighting to stay afloat and fighting to stay alive, which caused the organization to be really damaged when I got there, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. really damaged. So with that with that scenario that you mm-hmm. painted, so you know you are sort of seeing the opportunity on one level, experiencing the culture at a different level. There's a gap. Yes. What do you do? <laughs> you step into the role day one, recognizing this gap. How on earth do you even begin to tackle? of starting to close that a little bit? Well, I think that what I first realized is that you can't be of any good to anyone else if you're not good to yourself. Mm. And that means that I needed to look at the internal team before I could take our team external. So I made 
a goal to meet with every single one of the associates. And back then, we were a much bigger staff. We're, we're not quite as big anymore due to the pandemic. But I made a goal to speak with every single member of the team for 30 minutes within the first 30 days of being there. And I was allowing each associate 10 minutes to bitch about anything that happened in the past. And the next 20 minutes needed to focus on what they thought we needed to do to become an organization that people in the city looked up to, wanted to work with so that we could sell the city better and more. So so you're sort of giving people, you sort of create a framework, right? Mm -hmm. So you're giving people the opportunity to vent because they knew change was coming um, simply because you're new, right? Right. And that means people are always going to be experiencing a loss of something, even if they're looking forward to the new thing. There is a loss of the past. So you gave them 10 minutes to kind of grieve. Mm -hmm. But then you also were really open to their ideas and their thoughts about the future to help shape and inform your ideas and how you might move forward. So absolutely, you got a lot out of it. They got a lot out of it. You know, I still use those notes. So I have my original notebook that I brought with me. That was my Visit Milwaukee notebook. And I then went through that. And to this day, a lot of the strategy that we put forth working with a really great person, I won't mention any names, um, (laughs) helped us to put that together. And a lot of those things were out of those initial meetings because what I found was I had a team of really passionate individuals. They were passionate about the city. They were passionate about Visit Milwaukee. They were passionate about making the city a destination for everyone. They wanted to make sure we were inclusive. I mean, through every conversation, I found people that knew what needed to happen, but there wasn't anyone who was in charge who was articulating that outward, as well as bringing that message back to them, letting them know that we were doing it. So it was pretty quickly, I realized I was going to need help, in all honesty. I know that um, this is my first time. I've been in a leadership role, but I wasn't the person in charge. So I knew that I needed help um, in figuring out how to strategically go about this. So I did um, some homework and some research on a couple different um, leaders in in the city and came up with a brimful life to help me really work through how I would achieve what I needed to do to move us forward. And then obviously, in all honesty, when the pandemic hit, I thought, you know what, this is something that is an extra. It's a nice to have, not a need to have. And we stopped for a little while. And within three weeks of stopping, I realized that it was even more important to continue the work we had started because there was no way we would come out of this stronger if I didn't continue what we had started and still using that footprint and that format to, to achieve it. Mm-hmm. So we then reengaged immediately and it has done wonders. It's 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 helpful during this time of just incredible upheaval, right? When I started, there was no thought in my mind. I knew that there were people who would not be on board with the culture change. I did. But I didn't realize that I would have to make so many changes based on, obviously, the fact that our funding was being cut because there were no people coming to stay in our city. So it was really helpful to be able to tie some of those decisions into what we needed to do to move the organization forward coming out of the pandemic. 
So Peggy, uh, so first of all, it's been my absolute honor and pleasure to work with you and your leadership team. I work with a fair number of leaders, and when we had that initial conversation of possibly working with you, one of the things you said that I was like, I always hope that business comes through, but this one, I really, really, really hope that come through. Because you told me that you did that 30-minute sit-down with every person in the organization. And I thought um, that small gesture, now it did take up your time, Mm -hmm. but it was such, um, I think it had such tremendous impact in terms of setting the tone for you coming in. It is all about that initial impression that you're giving people. Right. right. Because some of it is they don't know you and you pretty quickly want to establish a relationship so that they'll follow you. And sometimes they just got to like you and trust you while you're figuring out the strategy. And sometimes you don't know all the answers. So I just want to pause on that small thing, because I think uh, it was a, a huge thing. And I commend you for recognizing that. What would you say was the tone or no, maybe not the tone? What was the impact that you doing that had on the organization? Well, first of all, it's a really small organization. So at the time, it was a little over 50 people with part-time staff, and I made sure to include the include the part-time staff. And then I also met with the volunteers in a larger group to make sure that they also felt heard as well. Because um, we, we have a great volunteer base that helps spread joy throughout the city whenever there's a convention. Um, I wanted them to know during that time frame that although I wanted their input, that not everyone was going to be intimately involved with every decision and I was not going to take immediate action. There were certain people throughout the organization who had access to grind with people who had been on the leadership team and thought that I should re- haul everything immediately. And I said, I just I don't think that's the best thing for the organization at this time. So I was pretty honest, open and transparent. I'm a pretty transparent person. I feel as though there's not much I'm not going to share with you unless I'm bound by an NDA or something like that. I want you to know where I am in the decision making process and sometimes that of why it's hard for me to make a decision. Um, so I think that that was eye-opening, the the level of transparency. I have to tell you, with 50 people in an office, the number of people who sat in my office at my desk and looked around because they had been there for years and had never walked in the CEO's office Mm. was absolutely astounding to me. Mm. That's interesting. You know, that in itself is just symbolic. It is. It's symbolic to Mm. me. I just was so shocked by that because I will tell you, you know, I worked for a large publicly held company with a leader who, when I walked people through and they were new and they walked through our corporate office, we walked every single one of them into Greg Marcus's office. Mm. And he welcomed them and said hello. And it was just normal. So for these people to have never been inside this office to me was something that really led me to understand what the culture prior to me was like and the Mm. things that needed to change. So these little things that are really, really meaningful, just even welcoming someone in your office and they've been working at the company for who knows how long, they've never been in the office, is really meaningful. Are you, um, because I think this is really good advice, but maybe there's some leaders who are listening who are like, I'm not an extrovert. I I don't know if you would consider yourself to be an extrovert. I don't know if you would consider yourself to be a people person. Um, 
But is this something that you've needed to cultivate in you in terms of taking the time to invest in people? Or are you just sort of naturally wired like that? I'm naturally wired okay. like that. I am. I am. I, Which, I, I truly I truly am. So I think that you, you're absolutely right. If someone is not, it might be more difficult. And I do have people who are on my leadership team who aren't wired like that. Yeah. So to build a culture, you have to understand what everyone brings to the table right. and then work around where they're what they're good at and fill in those gaps with the people that you surround yourself with. And I was fortunate enough, whenever a new CEO comes in, there's automatically going to be attrition because people don't understand. They don't like change. Just like you said at the beginning, they don't understand what's going to happen. So there was quite a bit of turnover prior to me starting. Three of the senior leadership team members left before I even got there. Mm -hmm. So I had the opportunity to bring some people in who could help fill where my gaps are. Because even though I have strengths in areas of being an extrovert and being a people person, there are certainly things that I do not have strengths in, Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) as my husband would gladly tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're not listening to him. so, So on that point, you've done a lot of work in terms of looking inward with your own leadership team and expecting that they're going to be exhibiting behaviors and demonstrating the behaviors that you would want others to see, mm-hmm. others to demonstrate in the in the organization. It really starts at the top, right? The culture starts at the stops, top. So you've been very invested in thinking about how, how all the different leadership styles, personality styles of your direct reports come together and how you all come together as a leadership team so that, you know, people in the organization can look at that leadership team and be like, yeah, there's alignment between what they expect of us and what they're holding themselves accountable for as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that is still obviously a work in progress. You learn a lot about each other, especially when you're in times of extreme duress. And we are in extreme duress right now. Hospitality has been hit the hardest in terms of of the effects of the pandemic. You know, at the at the height of the shut down across the country, hospitality had 49% unemployment, and it's only improved to 38% unemployment at this time. Mm -hmm. So we're dealing with our partners who have laid off a majority of their staff, as have we. So you really, there's been a lot of time spent together. When we started, our leadership team meetings occurred once a week. For the first three months of the pandemic, it was every day at 8.45 a.m. and again at 4.30 p.m. because there was so much change happening between those hours that we had to meet every day. So, um, you know, we learned a lot about each other. I don't necessarily recommend that 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 be the way you get to know your leadership team on such an intimate level, (laughs) but it's it's what happened during my first, you know, couple of months there. I had a, a finance director who started on March 30th. 15 days after the pandemic. And to be clear, he was joining a team of women. Yeah. Because my leadership team minus our finance director is all women. Mm-hmm. So um, it was it was definitely trial by fire and learning everyone's strengths and what they brought to the table. And then really understanding that we're not always going to agree and setting ground rules so that when we didn't agree, that we could find a way to manage our way through it. Yeah. Because during moments of extreme duress, it started with the pandemic, then it was civil unrest. It was 
all of these things that continue to happen with 2020, the year that just keeps giving, and how do we manage <laughs> through that, especially with a diverse team? When we talk about what happened with the murder of George Floyd, there was a huge impact on my team. My um, vice president of human resources is African-American. My director or VP of finance is is Hispanic. And we had open, honest, real dialogue because what was happening was seriously affecting what was going on with them personally and how we communicated that throughout our offices was really important to the team as well. So it's been, like I said, I, I wouldn't wish how I onboarded to anyone, but I think that I don't think I'd have the team yeah. or the momentum we have as an organization right now if this wouldn't have happened that way. Yeah, I was going to ask you, I mean, we always hear this cliche, stronger together, these challenging times, we're going to emerge, you know, learn and emerge stronger. And, you know, I, I, I sometimes wonder at, that the risk of it being too cliche, like, really? Is that really how it is? But, but in your from your vantage point you really think that you all have developed i guess this muscle of engaging across differences and and how to work things out the give and take that now you have that competency to weather other challenges that are coming so no one wishes that this would happen, but do you feel that at least you guys have tried to optimize a crisis to be better as a leadership team as best as you can? Yes, hundred percent. I yeah. believe that we optimize the experience. Yeah, I do. Yeah, but I also think that it's. I don't think that that just happens. So I do want to be very clear. I think stronger together is possible, but mm -hmm. I do think there has to be intentionality around it because as you guys are working through these challenges, you are very thoughtful in terms of engaging your leadership team? Like, what are our ground rules for engagement? What are our expectations? What are our individual development goals that we have so that we come together better and we're contributing really well? But not everybody does that. So, for example, at the start of the pandemic, well, I lost all of my clients that I'm doing culture work mm -hmm. with. You were by far the first to come back because I think you saw mm -hmm. this is important and it's not one of these things that we only invest in when times are good. Right. Like we we need this now more than ever. And by the way, we're going to have to leverage the opportunity that we have. So I think Stronger Together is possible, but I don't think it's a given. I think I it takes intentionality. I think that there is investing when things are tough is the hardest thing to do, but it's also the best thing to do mm -hmm. because it helps you look outside of your own four walls and have that person who can then tell you what you're doing and right and wrong. When you, you know, I'm an extrovert and I'm a people person, but there are things that I have to learn to change my behavior. In my prior position, I was a leadership team of one mm -hmm. and I was used to making decisions and then enforcing those decisions yeah. and not getting buy-in because I didn't have to get buy-in. Yeah. Isn't that it, nice, though? <laughs> and, and that, isn't that just sometimes nice? <laughs> it is. And that's been a challenge it for is, me, yeah. right? That That is what I use you a lot of the times for because I'm used to saying, no, th this is the way it's going to be. And I really had to learn how to listen and look at other sides and other points of view and 
different personalities bring different things to the table. And then I had to learn how to be okay with changing my mind from that initial position. Mm. And then how do you roll that out if you've brought that up to other people in individual conversations without completely backpedaling? Mm. So that has been something that has been a challenge for me Mm -hmm. because I'm so used to saying, nope, Here's how we're moving. And and don't get me wrong. I've had to pivot in every job I've ever had because I was in the hospitality business. Even starting when I first started, a bride would tell you she wanted to do something one way and then she would change her mind. That has oh, brides. Cha- oh, <laughs> change oh. has if always. If you can work with brides, that's good training for like. Oh anything. my goodness! You should run yes. for president of the United States. Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> but I, yes, working with brides was absolutely perfect training ground yeah. for being able to figure out how to work with other people. Yeah, and, yeah, be and, successful and, and how to manage other people's emotions. Yes, yes. So let's talk about that a little bit, right? I said earlier, you're like this, a sponge for emotions, right? Um, so like I said, going when people are going through change, it's emotional. And then going through change during a crisis pandemic when so much is out of your control, like there's just like heightened emotion and you do have to absorb it. I mean, a certain, you know, you do need to show up positive, mm-hmm. um, be that one person who's calm in the chaos. Mm-hmm. That's really hard. Mm-hmm. How, any reflections or thoughts or tips on how to do that day after day after day? without it getting to you. Or maybe it gets to you. Well, I think it does. I think it gets to you. So I have two funny stories. So first of all, um, you know, I try to be in the office as much as possible, but I have been working from home. I have a husband and a 17-year-old niece who live with me and a puppy. And when we were doing, in the heat of the pandemic, when we shut the offices down before the, the reopening, my senior staff calls would be on my computer in my living room in my sunroom. And my husband and my niece would listen. And they would get off the phone. And when it was a particularly stressful time or a lot of disagreeing, they would get off the phone and my husband and Jocelyn would be like, are you kidding me? Do they even like you? How can they even listen to you? Because they would only hear my side because I would have my my earbuds in so they couldn't hear the conversation. And they would just totally make fun of me. Um, And then... I actually started something for myself right shortly after I start after um, the pandemic started, which was going to a personal trainer. Um, I'm going to be 50 next year, and I felt it was time to start the road to becoming healthier. And within that, the personal trainer I go to, they have someone who does this reset. And when they do this reset, they're doing something, and they can tell how stressed your body is. So I've t- been to see Pete three or four times. And Pete is like, I've never met someone whose body is so tense in my entire life. He's like, do you ever let anything out? Mm. (laughs) So I think that I carry my stress differently. Mm -hmm. I am, thank goodness to my mother, I'm a perpetually optimistic human being. Mm. And even when I start to go down a bad, a bad thought process, I somehow spring back. Hmm. 
I, I like to look at the glass as half full. Mm-hmm. I know we're in a terrible spot right now, but I also know that it can't last forever. Mm-hmm. And I and when I think of anything, I think of the positivity in any situation. And I like to bring that positivity to work so that everyone understands that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. So, um, you know, even though it is incredibly stressful at times, and I am absolutely heartbroken for the people of our industry, you know, I belong to a um, hospitality forum group on Facebook. And just to see some of these people who have been so optimistic throughout this entire pandemic, and then to see them say, I got the final word, I'm, you know, 24 years with so-and-so company, I'm done as of tomorrow. 35 years, seven years, 12 years, and then to see the despair, but the way that they're coming together and trying to support each other and putting job offers out there, it just shows you that there are still, there is still so much good. And, and if I don't focus on that, I think we, I would go crazy. Right, right. Well, I so, I so much appreciate um, your wisdom. And uh, here's sort of some lessons learned that I took away. Um, so you talked about the importance of, especially when you're stepping into the the role and you're trying to figure out the path forward, to really taking the time to listen. I really like what you said about not taking immediate action, right? Sort of listen, make sure that you're considering and seeing all sides to make an informed decision. I think a lot of times we want to take action. Mm-hmm. We're oriented to action. Yes. So but you you said, no, I'm taking a step back and, and I want to reflect a little bit. Um, also, the transparency of communication and letting people know the rationale, the why for decisions that you're making. A lot of times they may not agree with the decision, but they'll go along more if they at least understand why. And many times we just tell them what it is and we don't take the time to explain why to help bring them along. Um you talked a lot about, you know, making sure that you're thinking about other people um, and how you're cultivating the right personalities and leadership styles on your leadership team. But you're also really intentional about reflecting on your own self and what it is that you need to learn and do a little bit better uh, along the way. Mm-hmm. And then finally, um, get a Pete. Is that your, your trainer's <laughs> name? <laughs> Chelsea's my trainer's no, name. Sorry, Pete's but, the re- Pete's the guy who reset me no, the, yes. to, to to not be as tense. There yes. you go, mm-hmm. a reset. Yeah. We all, well, we all need to reset mm-hmm. sometimes, right? We all need right. to reset and focus on the self care mm-hmm. <sighs> because we can only bring out the best in others if we're doing that for ourselves first and foremost. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, Peggy, this was amazing. Well, I also have to say that you know I interview a lot of leaders, but I don't get to sort of see like pop the hood and really see what's going on in the organization. And I get to see that with you. And I would say everything that you've shared is the exact alignment with what you do. So thank you you so much for um, sharing this. I think that this is going to be really, really helpful insight for other people who are challenged with, you know, um, driving change, especially in these times. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. This is Dan Meyer with BizTimes Media. You've been listening to the BizTimes MKE podcast with our podcast partner, The Brimful Life with Beth Ridley. For more business news and insights, be sure to go to biztimes.com and subscribe to any of our daily e-newsletters and our magazine, BizTimes Milwaukee.